Welcome to Fantastic Books and How to Read Them. The fantasy book review podcast by this couple who's read more than a couple of fantastic books. We're your hosts, Sam and Anna, and let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners. This is Sam. And Anna. And after a few week hiatus, we are so glad to be back in action. Yes, we're in our brand new apartment and I've set up our stuff again. Anyone following our social media would know that the reason that we're so behind on posting is that we have been fighting with the internet company. We finally squared it away. So we're able to record and get this up for you all. But um, yeah, exciting things have been going on for us. Yeah, so we moved. We got our podcast studio up and running, and I believe we're just about at our 5,000 downloads. Yeah, I checked this morning. We were seven away, so I think probably in the course of the day, we hit 5,000, which is huge. Way more than I was expecting. A lot of people listen that I never would have ever thought to be fantasy fans, so that's been awesome to connect with some people we already know connect with other people in the fandom so it's been a wild ride so far so thank you all for the love and support we appreciate it so much yes and thank you for bearing with us as we've been promising regular episodes and then through all sorts of things not been able to post regularly this year um and it seems like people have been pretty supportive still and not (laughs) not stopped listening to us for that so thanks (laughs) Yes, to air is human, and we're going to do a lot better about being a little bit more consistent. But in the meantime, I think it's ready to jump right back into the wise man's fear. Yeah, so last episode, we only did two chapters because we got like way too yeah, into we, them. Yeah, we were definitely geeking out a little <laughs> hard, but it was so cool. It was like Debbie literally like full wrath. So. Oh, such a great chapter. Love that part. But yeah, so we're going to finish up the chapters we promised we were supposed to go over last time. So now we're yes. doing chapters... 27 through 31 of The Wise Man's Fear. Chapter 27, Pressure. So, after uh, Kavoth is licking his wounds, so to speak, and his damaged pride after his scrabbling and scrambling away from Debbie's, he heads back to Ankers, where he is bringing over two mugs of beer for Will and Simmon because they are continuously watching over him at night while he sleeps to protect him from any attacks of the continued malfeasance. Through Ambrose. Yes, which is what Kvothe is trying to tell them again, is that he thinks it's Ambrose. So yeah. they're still not fully convinced um, until he brings... They they get more on board in this conversation, but... Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely, as he always says, better friends than he deserves, because they're like putting their sleep and their well-being on the line just to watch over him at night and sacrificing a lot for him. So Will and Sim definitely deserve more than a mug of beer, but that's all Kvothe has oh, yeah. for them right now. No, for sure. No, actually, he's got a little f- a food tray from Ankers. One of the serving girls has for him. So oh. he literally says, oh, this is to help keep your strength up when you watch me overnight. Oh, yeah, because then Sim goes, oh, don't worry. I took a little nap during one of the classes today. Yeah. So they're like being dead homies and like really, like I said, putting a lot on the line for Kvothe, just really committing to their promise that they'd watch over him. Yeah, another fantastic friends. I can't think of many people right off the bat that would watch me sleep but like literally like protect me (laughs) as i'm sleeping at night one interesting part of this conversation is uh kavoth says oh i got good news and bad news and the funny thing is the attack with debbie or the fight with debbie isn't the bad news no (laughs) the bad news is like oh i can't get access to uh the schema that i need for a gram because kilvin doesn't want me to have access to runes that contain blood and bone 
which Kavoth gives a good example as to why that is not allowed. Yes, you put, you took terrific notes on this. I love it. Um, they talk about one uh, application of using runes for blood and bone that could be devastating and catastrophic is the fact that you can make a little metal disc with the proper runes on it and mm-hmm. like a drop somebody's blood and just anybody could basically like yeah literally anyone whose whose blood goes through the disc just dies yeah like instantly incinerates that's so insane and it can be used like again and again it's not just like a single use weapon so to speak right that's why because will says anyone could do that with sympathy and kavoth clarifies that like anyone could do this and you could just use it again and again and again with no training like just pour someone's blood through and you're good to go absolutely bananas just an annihilator like that's not <laughs> okay ah what shall we call it the annihilator it's true <laughs> no it's true it sounds terrifying i love it yeah so um the second piece of the conversation that they're having is that um he's like oh i confronted devi <laughs> and Simmons like alone are you stupid and Kavoth literally just goes yes, yes but not for the reasons you think he should not have confronted her alone he should just no. not have confronted her at all the way he did I but know. So- unfortunately I think bringing Will and Sim probably wouldn't have helped because they have such a bad understanding of their Kavoth and Devi's relationship and a bad understanding of how Devi interacts with Kavoth and I think just kind of you know are letting Devi's reputation precede her yes in this situation and unfortunately, it did work out exactly probably how they expected. Oh, for sure. But in Kavos' logic, he's like, well, we, now we know for sure it wasn't her. It's Ambrose. And I guess it, I'm kind of on board with him in terms of like thinking of it in that way. The mm. rest of the interaction was bad. No, it's sad that he ruined a friendship and broken trust with somebody. And now he has to owe them a lot of money. Right. And not only that, but like also with his forever like financial hardships. Yeah. He's burned a bridge, but even worse that he tainted a friendship. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting with all this is that they then speculate that although it at this point is logical to conclude it has to be Ambrose, that Ambrose doesn't realize whose blood this is. Right. I think that makes the most sense. And I... I kind of from the get-go thought that this was what was going on, is that Ambrose just has this blood, knows that the blood is from the thief, therefore I will attack the thief and the thief will be revealed. Versus thinking, like, this blood is Kvothe's blood, I know Kvothe did it. Right. Because if that was the case, he would have used a dowsing compass like he did with the assassins in Or just brought Kvothe up on charges. Right, and that's what they talk about in this conversation. Right. So, at this point... They kind of realize that since Ambrose doesn't know who it is, and then they speculate like what would happen if they did in turn bring Ambrose up on charges, it just it wouldn't help anything. No, because it's like the only reason he's doing it is because Kavoth did something first. Right. So and it's retaliation. Right. He would go up for he'd get expelled too. And the masters aren't necessarily all he's not in their good graces so to speak you know no he brings up like heme and brand and Brandger for sure he thinks he's still in lauren's bad books pun intended i know i say every time um which will does say like you don't give lauren enough credit but at the same time Kvothe's definitely not been a stellar student in the right they also don't want to upset baron jack as like ambrose's father because he's obviously a huge political figure can make things difficult for everyone at the university he also has a ton of money, so I'm sure financially he could ruin the university as well. 
So all the equivalent. I think it's book two when Malfoy gets his father involved at Hogwarts. Oh yeah, and he's like buying stuff and yeah. threatening. Yeah, just my a father. Would terrible situation. Mm. And as they bring up once. Ambrose inherits like he's going to be making trouble for everyone. So. Yeah, just big dick energy. Just... Yeah, they need to stop <laughs> going tit for tat with Andrew Am- Ambrose. Ambrose. <laughs> no, but screw Ambrose. And the conversation that kind of segues to the opportunity for the three of them to look for the schema in the archives with Fela. Right. Not before there is a quick little tidbit about the bear trap, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this part was really important and so cool. So Willem is making a metaphor that fighting Ambrose is like a bear trap because Kvothe, you know, gets his foot in and the first thing hurts, but then you just can't escape. Like, bear traps are known that, like, once they close up, they're closed and you can't get out of them. And Kvothe's brain is like, ha, 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 where could I get a bear trap? That's what I need. Like, kind of playing it off jokingly. Will and Sim don't really follow through on the joke. And then Kvothe just has this small aside, like, not said out loud of, like, I'll figure out where to go in on my own. Mm -hmm. And you make, the way it's phrased makes you think it's something to do with his fight with Ambrose. And that he's going to, like, punk him or, like, do something horrible. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you fell for it. Your foot's ruined. Oh, horrible. No, but um, as we find out, he ends up using parts. It. Yes, for the arrow catch, which is his project that he's working on in the fishery. That's his like cover for the gram, but also is something he needs to do for Kilvin too. Right, and it's obviously a secret at this point. As readers, we don't know about it, and and uh, as podcasters, we're spoiling it. <laughs> oh no, everybody knows spoilies. Happen. Oh no, I'm just kidding. But what all I was going to say was, I can't wait to get to that whole part that with part Kelvin, is so cool because it's probably and i always say this about like every get big moment but like th- that is probably one of my favorite like unveils of the book in general like i absolutely just love it it's phenomenal it's phenomenally written and it's a great surprise because it's almost just seems as if Kill's kind of puttering around trying to come up with something to impress kilvin the way he phrases it because he's talking about the gram so often and then periodically very briefly mentions being in the fishery working Mm. on something but there's no real clue as to what it is there's the crossbow and the bear trap which we know later end up being part of it but until you know all those pieces go together it's such a mystery it is so the reveal is great and one thing i really like and we'll obviously cover it in further detail when the time comes throughout the series the series you know we get little tidbits and moments of engineering prowess of artificers in the fishery creating lamps different gadgets but i think this is the first time we see a combination of mechanical expertise signaldry and all that in combination of making something genuinely like marveling yeah and useful yeah we're like obviously we get some cool stuff that comes out of it in the books so we're like oh that's neat and like that's their technological equivalent to everyday objects in our current time right but this is something that's genuinely special and can't be reproduced in like real life oh i see what you mean like lamps are obviously just like for electricity like a cover for electricity and stuff. yeah and like you know obviously we have like bulletproof vests and things like that but this is something mm, special this is true. unique to this world and that's I like, what... and it's Kvothe's brainchild, which yes. is really cool. Yes, 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 yes. All right, sorry. So. <laughs> they do talk about, Kvothe tempts them with hanging out with Fela. Yes. In his attempt to search for schemata for the gram, and since he couldn't get it from Kilvin. And it's really cute because I think the very end of this section is like, 
Will says, like, oh, I'm down to do that or whatever, and Sim just smiles. Yeah, Sim is just grinning like an idiot. But this is, like, when he and Phyllis start, like, hanging out, and eventually they become an item, so, like, oh, so cute. Yeah, I like this build-up. So, yep, we we have the fearsome foursome searching the archives, and I like how they describe, like, this whole search of, like, everyone in the beginning, like, giddy with, like, positive energy, being like, we got this, it's gonna be, like, in the bag, we're totally gonna nail it. Oh, yeah, it's, like, super fun and, like, a bonding time for them all as friends. Like, they're on their own little secret mission, so it's super exciting and exhilarating. But I think it, very quickly that fades. Like, Kavos not getting a lot of sleep. He says he cuts his sleep down to five hours per night in order to give Will and Sim a little bit more of a break. Uh, that's when he then follows up and says, like, five hours would normally be okay, but I'm still recovering from my injuries and holding my ALAR up the whole time. Yes, which is really fascinating to me because this, in a way, is benefiting him long term. Because this is kind of like... It's like training. Yes, I was going to say. It's literally like wearing like a heavy vest or weights. Like He's like weight training nonstop, 24 hours a day, but like psychically. Oh, I hadn't yeah. even thought of it. I was thinking more of like long distance versus like short distance or like cardio versus like short stuff but having like a weight vest on is such a good analogy Mm. so then like the moment where he doesn't need to and he's had basically all this fortitude built up and then he can actually use like that other piece of his mind freely Mm -hmm. because he's basically multitasking multiple his mind multiply fractured throughout the day yeah which is why 100 of the time university probably go insane mind you if they were to do stuff like this oh yeah but um, yeah. I mean, like, literally, a lot of mental illnesses have to do with like your mind having multiple different states or like mm-hmm. multiple personalities. And if you can like force yourself to break into two different thought processes at once, it's totally easy to see why that would mess up like just your brain in general and your sense of identity. Yeah. So the fact that he's doing this twenty four seven, not sleeping well, still physically recovering. And is super stressed with this course load is like anyone else would just be like burnt. Plus, like, it's not even just like keeping up his ALR. He's also periodically like getting attacked. Just on top of it, doing all his classes still has to make time to play at Onkers to like keep his room and board. So that's a lot going on. Yeah. and Um, And that's why he says he starts purchasing coffee, which... I didn't realize wasn't readily available, like, as part of the meal plan in the, at the university, like, where you get, you know, your unlimited beans or whatever. (laughs) Tuition chit, unlimited beans. (laughs) (laughs) One coffee. Stacks, tomes, beans. But, yeah, apparently coffee is catered to noble tastes, and Mm -hmm. it's quite expensive for Kavoth, so he says he starts dipping into his purse to buy coffee, even though... That's when you know it's, like, getting excessive. Yeah, like, he's in dire straits. Like, this is his last little bit of reserves. Mm-hmm. So his luck needs to change soon. Yes. I know. I feel like these last few chapters are just, like, the era of Kavoth suffering. Yeah, he's. A, it's just, like, another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing. But one good note, at the very end of the chapter, they have been following Ambrose around. Basically, what they have determined is that, like, all the attacks come well ambrose is in his rooms yeah so therefore he's likely responsible for them and whatever he's using for them is being kept in his rooms yeah so at least they're 
breaking it down logically and like coming to a realistic expectation. Yeah, like they're like sleuthing around has actually paid off for once. Chapter 28, Kindling, which, and I'm never the person to notice the chapter title, but this is, I think, about the kindling of Will, oh, not Will, <laughs> Sim and Fela's relationship, but also the kindling of like hope and plans because they finally find the Graham schema in this chapter. Ooh, good observation. I like that. Yeah, so Patrick Ross is this double mean, I mean, I'm just interpreting, but he always has good chapter titles. The first little bit of the chapter talks about how they are still searching for the schema after five days and have had no success. And Kvothe is noticing that the attacks on him are either like really sporadic and sometimes none at all. And it's very alarming. Like there's no regularity to them. So he said there were eight of them in one day. And then the following day there were none, which is almost more alarming because he kept waiting for like something to happen. So... Things are getting kind of off the rails in terms of how much longer he can put up with this. And he says on the seventh day, he finally gets defeated in his sympathy dueling classes. So there goes his good winning streak. So just like another like hit to his like pride at this point. Yeah, like he's just getting chipped and chipped away. Although super impressive, he held this up for six days. Right, while constantly maintaining his primary ALAR. Yeah, so he doesn't have his full powers of, of his brain. He doesn't have his full physical strength. He's he has not, not been sleeping. Not good. Also... But also his classmates need to step it up a little bit. Yeah. And I think he's now... He's going against two students at once at this he point, is, right? yes. Good yeah. job. Your boy's yoked. But I love like his pride and his ego because he was like, considering everything that's going on, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't annoyed that like I lost my streak. But I'm annoyed. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't blame him. Like, dude's, dude's jacked. It's That's great. like, you know, when you get to finals in, at school, like, so I remember in college, I wasn't told that you weren't allowed to have more than, I think, three finals in a day. You were supposed to be able to reschedule them. And our final windows were like three hour blocks per class, and they were really long. And I had five of them in one day. Like, there was Ugh. a scheduling error. And by the time I got to the last one, I was like, I don't even care if I fail at this point, because like, you're burnt, I've just burnt, I've been burnt out, I've been going all day. So I don't, I don't care. Obviously, I would have cared, like, but yeah, you hit that point where you're like, I'm just too tired to care. Anymore. Yeah, you just like you're over it. <laughs> like, I know I didn't put my all into this, and it's fine. Mm. But on day nine of searching, which I think is interesting, because they're looking for volume nine of the book. So just like number parallels there. They're holed up in the library and Fela steps inside carrying a single book, which already to them is like different because they've just been bringing piles of books back. And she's like all excited going like, I've got it. I found it. Like, this is it. And they were looking for a book called or a set of books called the Scrivani. The Scrivani are 12 volumes of totally detailed diagrams and descriptions of different uh, schemata. So the one that they needed was in volume nine. Page 82, very specific. They had found like bits and pieces of this set, but never the whole thing. So always volumes 9, 7, and 11 were missing. Again, 7. Yeah, 7 again. So Kilvin probably had pulled them all. Right. For whatever reason, the other two. But Fela found volume 9, like the whole volume. She's all excited. And she's like, you have to buy me dinner. Oh my god, I could both completely missing the mark on this. 
Cause I she, know. She's like, you have to buy me dinner. He's like, I'll buy everyone dinner. It's like, no, dude. She's like, clearly, you owe me a date. Yeah, like, take me out to dinner. And then, tell me I'm the best group ever. And then again, like... He's not picking up on it. Also, he agrees to take everyone out to dinner, and he can't afford it. So, like, I'm like, <laughs> stop, Kavod. <laughs> you're making, like, a promise that you can't keep. Yes. Yeah, he totally... Because he's like, you're twice as good as Will could ever be, even if he had a dozen hands and a hundred extra eyes. And she's like, ew. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> it's like, come on. I wanted, like... I wanted flattery. Oh, yeah, not this. But they're all excited. They open the book up, and Kavoth is, like, kind of staring at the writing and not saying anything and sim is like oh great i knew it like it's moldy or like the, the page, page is missing torn, or like it's got to be something and there is something but it it's not what they expect it's an old vintic which is like an archaic language yep so will doesn't speak it Fela doesn't speak it kavoth doesn't speak it and shockingly sim, sim does. does yeah Clutch. he comes out of nowhere and he's like oh i can so he heard eld vintic poetry and then studied for three terms with the chancellor. Which is a significant amount of time. Yeah. Sim's actually really smart. Like Kvothe says, he always gets kind of like brushed under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the very last chapter of this episode, chapter 31, we see like his prowess at alchemy for the first time, which is awesome. Yes. Very cool. But anyway, Kvothe is like, I don't like poetry. <laughs> right off the bat. Not not even being like, oh, thank goodness you can speak Eldvintic. Yeah, just completely is like... Screw poetry. And then Sim literally says, you're lost. And I love it. He says, Eldvintic poetry is thunderous. It pounds at you, which is awesome. And then literally on the spot, he makes up a whole poem about like finding the, like Fela finding the book. Yeah. And like it being an adventure and like a hunt. Yeah. She's like, hot comes the huntress Fela, flushed with finding. Like, so cool. Yeah. I'm impressed he did that on the spot. I love that moment, though, because the way Patrick Rothfuss describes how Kavoth is interpreting the scene of, like, Fela, like, pausing and, like, taking Simon in and, like, actually seeing him and noticing yes. him for the first time. This is, like, the moment. It's so yes. great. So I loved that he describes it, too, as, like, he'd just been kind of around her almost like a piece of furniture, like, not someone really worth looking at. And it's just, like, the faintest little, like, spark which would probably like just die down like but just like that first one of like something's happening and i think this is such a great description of starting to have emotions for someone versus how it's so often in fairy tales of like love at first sight yeah we're or supposed like, to be like this huge infatuation this thunderous like ostentatious large grand like unveil where that's not how it really is a lot of times in real it's life either that or in i feel like books and movies it's such a trope to have characters that like bicker and fight at each other and then it's like very passionate and i'm like come up with something more normal yeah like, and this is very normal of just suddenly like you see somebody in a totally different way that you'd ever seen them before yeah it's super real i love it i thought it was beautifully written and with that being the spark kindling kindling like, yep. chapter title connection very cool oh it even says but still you know it's there down where you can't see it kindling yeah, then the moment passes immediately because Will's like, oh, who read you Eldvintic poetry? And that's just like, it passes so quickly. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, Sim says Puppet is the person who read him poetry. And Will is like, oh, we should have asked Puppet for a copy of the book. He would know anything in the, the archives. But obviously, he is kind of in with the masters. So yeah, Sim thought wanna... they shouldn't have asked him. And Sim says he hasn't been doing well lately, which maybe it's just like a vague statement. But I didn't know if it had something to do with Puppet's purpose, because no one really knows what his purpose 
is, and we haven't yet met him in the books, but I think it's pretty well posited that Puppet is guarding the four-plate door. Mm. And the reason that he's allowed to have candles in the archives is so that if the flame turns blue, he knows the Shandrian are around. Yeah. Very, very cool. Which is so cool. And I'm not sure if that's true or not, obviously, because it's just people guessing. But I didn't know if his, like, illness had something to do with, like, maybe he fought something off recently or, like, had, you know, prevented something from happening. Um, Or if he was just getting old or if, like, he's like Kavoth where, like, his Alar always has to be up or something. But I don't know. Just guesses. But, um, yeah, Puppet's introduced... I think the second time at this point. Yeah. Kvothe still hasn't met him. But it turns out that Simon is going to be able to decipher the directions. Kvothe's going to be able to read the runes. So they look like they have a successful schema, which is awesome. So exciting. Um, and it actually takes them, Kvothe says two days to decipher. And then he goes, well, it took us one day to decipher and then one day to double check our work. Because you really don't want to mess <laughs> yeah. anything up if it has any kind of runes with your blood or bones going on which i still think is pretty fast all things considered oh yeah these kids are brilliant super smart so he knows how to construct the gram now at this point but he needs his concentration free which means he needs ambrose to be absolutely busy doing something else so he can let his alar down so he only gets like really small little snippets of time and it's hard because it's just like super delicate work. So when he's not working on his gram, he's working on his, as he's calling it, his pet project, which, as we said, is the arrow catch. And it's like the perfect excuse for why he's in the fishery so often. So that's working out well. And then the chapter concludes with him saying, The rest of the time I spent lounging in the common room of the Golden Pony. I needed to establish myself as a regular customer there. Things would seem less suspicious that way. So it's total foreshadowing. I also thought it was really smart for him to start going there because what thief goes back to the scene of the crime? Like, no one's going to expect Kvothe to be yeah. the thief if he's, like, hanging out there. Total groundwork. Yeah, so very He's clever. playing the long con. <laughs> he is, though, and he's, like, just giving us enough, like, illusions as to what his plan is to keep it very interesting and a lot of the chapters here are kind of like cliffhanger ends yeah i love rereading these books because you just pick up on so many little tidbits the first time you completely are oblivious to yep we've Very, said it so many times i know but still it can always be reappreciated. chapter 29 stolen Ugh. <laughs> this is like the pinnacle of the heartache yeah like the apex of Kvo's difficulties is right here just maximum suffering so, again, we get a more exhausted and burnt out and wiped out Kavoth heading back to Ankers to... I think just go to bed. Yeah, just have dinner and go to bed after another long day of searching the archives and... Working on his gram and everything. And... Oh, well, he's going to go... I think he mentions... I don't know if it's this chapter or another, but he, like, goes into Ankers and then usually, like, slips out the side window yeah. to Will and Sims. So he's trying to, like, pretend everything's normal. So people don't see him leave Ankers. They see him like go up to bed. Yeah. And then he goes to Will and Sims. Yeah. And so as he heads up, he grabs some food and he goes to settle in his room and he can't find his loot. He immediately runs back down. He's talking to the new serving girl and she's like just oblivious. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, did you come back for that drink? Yeah. And he's like, no. Where have you seen my loot? Is it here? And she says, no, you carried it up the same as always. I even offered you from some string for that, like, broken clasp. 
Ugh, and so he runs back up. And, like, you know that desperate, like, look when you know something doesn't, it's just not there. Like, he's looking in, like, places that it clearly is too big to fit. Like, yeah. he's looking in this little chest. He's looking under the bed. But as he mentions, the room at Onkers is, it's just super small. There's nowhere it could have gone. Yeah, you just, like, illogically double-check spots you just looked at, too. Thinking it's randomly such denial. It's yeah. such denial. And he even looks at the little, like, window latch that he keeps well-oiled. So he can come in from the outside, but there's like no clues as to where his loot has gone. Yeah. And so I love the writing with this. Patrick Rothfuss's writing is always very poetic, but the way he describes Kavoth, it's like him saying, it feels as if my heart's been ripped out of my chest. I feel like I was made out of wet paper Ugh. and just lacking all substance. Like that is such a wonderful, sad description. Well, just, like, mushy and bland, too. Yeah, just, like, ineffective, horrible... Pulpy. <laughs> yeah, like, there's no strength left. Like, he's just hollow. Yeah, like, that was the one last straw to break the camel's back, uh, to use a common phrase, but, like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It, this chapter is so short, that's all that happens in it, but, like, fuck. Tragedy. And so, at this point, as readers, we don't know where it's gone or who's taken it. And I want to get to that in a minute. But one thing I wanted to talk about was Kavoth always says he is nothing without his music. He literally just said he was nothing. Like he's like, I'm wet paper. Like that's the most useless thing ever. And we have current Kavoth known as Co at the Waystone Inn. And I know we always get the beginning and end of the book of like a man waiting to die. Mm. But like such a hollow and empty existence, like a man who loved and lived for his music. It's gone. Like how does he cope? How does he coat? How does one coat? <laughs> How does coat cope with being coat? Like, it's just rough. Just pour one out. It's <laughs> just such a good punishment for whatever is happening to current Kvothe. Like, we've speculated so much, but like, is it self-inflicted? Is it some kind of curse or punishment? Yeah, like, the idea, jumping what, back. However it happened, but, like, that's literally the perfect punishment for him. Like, eternity with no music. Like, living the rest of your days with something you, like, can't have anymore that was your one true joy Ugh. so rough so sad alas this chapter ends with just the oh shit moment being the loot is gone yes so a quick word from our sponsor and then we'll get right back to it so what do we think more than salt means in the context of this chapter uh, i feel like <laughs> there's like the whole premise that Alodin's trying to impress on all these students of like any namer worth his salt needs to recognize these things in order to be a namer so this class that he's teaching right now is like trying to describe the indescribable mm -hmm. in a way of like intuitively recognizing things because that's what naming is is having like a subconscious recognition of an object or substance or thing and being able to call out its true essence you're getting a little ahead here. I wanted to know about the title. No, I know, but that's like this is where I'm coming full circle with it. Okay. Where it's like any namer worth their salt can do this. Oh, I see, I see, I see. So, so the phrase according to history.com, which is I think the History Channel website, says like if you're worth your salt, obviously it means you're competent. Um, but it says it has its roots in ancient Rome where soldiers were sometimes paid in salt or given allowance to purchase salt. Oh, neat. So it's like a commodity. I thought it had more to do with like Denna being worth her salt. 
as a friend. Ooh, I didn't even think about that because that's the whole second chap- second half of the chapter. Yeah, so this chapter is kind of divided into the two parts. The first half is Class of the Load, and the second half is Denna and the triumphant return of the loot and her purchasing of the loot case for Quoth. Ooh, maybe the case is like worth its salt. Because oh. way later down the line, obviously it being waterproof and yes. Kvothe's, uh sailing to Junpui or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he has the shipwreck. Yeah. Which I think is actually, um, for readers who obviously have read the whole books, I think that shipwreck that's like mentioned in brief passing is going to end up being really important because Kvothe hardly glosses over it anything Mm. so for him to just be like and that was that moving on like a shipwreck's a pretty monumental thing to have happen to you yeah so just tossing it out there anyway so this chapter is as we said two sort of parts so the first part i really really like is (laughs) where elodin is talking about things that you can't talk about and the examples that the students are giving are um humor which i think was actually a great example yeah because I immediately thought of love, because I feel like that's, like, such a trope in... Not really a trope, but, like, that's always the subject of, like... The indescribable. Yeah, like, literature, poetry, like, music, film. It's all about, like, love is so, like, complicated, you can never describe it. But humor was a great example, because Arash says, like, if you explain a joke, it's not a joke anymore. Yeah, it's no longer funny. So, I think any kind of emotion is definitely something that you can't really describe... I do like that Kavos is being a smartass, and he's like, nothing's non-describable. Oh, yeah. Kavos immediately being a dick about this, like, digging his heels in and being yeah. like, well, you can't describe, can't not describe something. It just means you're not doing a good job. Yeah, and then... But Elodin's essentially saying that, like, there are things that happen inside of us that we can translate into words, or things that happen in the world that we can translate into words, but they're not really touching upon the true thing. Yeah. And then he goes, and I, it's like an aside, he's like, I would have accepted, uh, expected you to say music. I know, such a good example. Like, you can't not explain music. Yeah. I think color would also be something you can't really describe. Right. Because then um, Kavoth has this, like, smart-ass response where he's like, music is the road and the map. And he's, like, trying to be all philosophical, but it's like... Yeah, you really can't describe, like, the essence and the emotions that stir with music. But I think the best part is, is, like, Elodin knows that Kavoth is good at music, but I think he also knows, like, what's up with Kavoth and his actual, like, ability to tap into naming comes from music. Yeah. Like, all the times that Kavoth accidentally names things, like, his beginning way back in the forest and he's, like, playing his emotions, that's, like, his, like, foundational... naming like yes. his connection with naming and Eloda knows that and he's like knows Kavos like not getting it and yeah, it's, like, it's like he's spelling it out for you right there like saying music that Thinking can about be your how catalyst you connect with music like that's like your key to your naming yes and it just brushes right over Kavos head which is definitely exacerbated by the fact that he's having such a tough time lately yeah but the next example that is given is love which comes from Fela. And it's so funny because Kvothe's like, hey, I wasn't done. I I could explain music without using it. But that's not explaining something. That's translating something. And Elodin's like, that's literally it. Like, we're translating things. Like, you're you're getting it, but you're not getting it, Kvothe. Yeah, it's like, ugh. It's definitely left versus right brain moment. Definitely is. Which is kind of funny because Kvothe is such a good musician. I would think he'd be more creatively inclined, but he's fairly mathematical in his he's like very analytical yeah and it's just not clicking for him yet he'll get there he'll get there 
<laughs> um, so Elodin's like, fine, we'll put you two both and fail up in front of the class and like try to explain this example. So he uses love and he's talking about like there's something between them that they can feel and like they know it's there, but they can't. It's like I love because one, Kabul's super awkward. But he's also oblivious as hell because... Fela clearly has a hots for him. Yeah, and then, like, now it's just being, like, displayed in front of the whole class. And it's all like, shut up, shut up. Yeah, so uncomfortable. The cringe. The cringe. I remember in freshman year English class, we talked a lot about, like, love in that class in terms of, like, its place in literature. But there was this example that my teacher did with us where he was talking about how you can, like, show things rather than tell things. So he, like, sat up in front of the class and, like, did this example where he was having a conversation with a student and he was like, pretend you're my wife, which was, like, already so weird. Um, But then he, like, sat there as they were, like, talking. He, like, wasn't making eye contact and, like, fiddling with his, like, his own wedding ring, like, that he was wearing. And what he was trying to explain was, like, through his body language, like, you're explaining... Um, like, this couple's clearly having, like, a tough time. Like, he's trying to pull his wedding ring off and, like, feeling uncomfortable. But it was just such a weird thing to be, like, what are you, 13 in freshman year? Yeah. Be like, you're my wife. Now, okay, here we go. So that's exactly what I thought of in this. Meanwhile, it's like, can, can I go to the bathroom? <laughs> like, just, like, super uncomfortable. There was another time when he was like, all right, now everyone think about your first kiss. And everyone just, like, looked around the room and we were all like, I haven't had one yet. Or just, like, kids being like, <laughs> Well, he, like, got aggressive. He was like, what? None of you have, like, gone on a date or anything? And we were all like, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're in AP Honors English. Of course we haven't. clearly we haven't. We're the big nerds. (laughs) (laughs) We're the big nerds. We're the big nerds. Who are we? The big nerds. What do we want? More books. (laughs) (laughs) When do we want it? Shakespeare. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Anyway. When do we want to describe love? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, that's exactly what Elodin is doing, reeling it back in. So he's talking about how there's, like, basically, like, three different pathways that, like, you can take when you're experiencing this. So, like, one is, like, being too honest and... all cards on the table immediately. Moving too fast. Bad idea. Snuffs it out. Um, Which, like, refers back to the spark of kindling that had formed between Fela and... Simon in the last chapter and then he talks about like how you spend a lot of time together and you talk about like basic and common things so that eventually when you start to like talk about deeper things you've already developed this kind of like language together and I really like that description I thought it was also interesting that um the first path that Elodin describes which is like the one of like being honest and like laying all your cards on the table is exactly why Kaboth never tells Denna how he feels because he's like, oh, I just can't do that. Like, yeah. it wouldn't work. It's against his nature. But I think he knows it would scare her away, too. Yeah. So, just kind of interesting that Elodin pulls it up. And then there's the third path, which is forcing the issue. Like, going directly in. Elodin basically is like, this. you reach out and you grab this woman's breasts. <laughs> so, Go out and grab it. It's like, no. So, clearly, obviously not the correct approach. And I just love, like, the description of, like, Fela being completely aghast and immediately like, crosses her arms and then Kavos just being cringe and just being like... <sighs> I know, like, oh, But then so the funniness awkward. of, like, Alodin being Alodin and just turning to Kavos and being like, stop grabbing up my tits, boy, I'm trying to teach you. 
Yeah, so he's like, I'm trying to wake your mind to, like, the subtle language. Like, I'm trying to teach you understanding and, like, translation. You are literally just trying to, this method of, like, grabbing at my tits. Yeah, (laughs) you're trying to go directly to the source instead of understanding and being patient. Exactly. It's an awesome double lesson, though, because he's explaining naming in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. And then also, like, pushing back at Kavoth and being like, this is why it's not working for you, too. Yeah, you're too analytical. Obviously, after this, Kvothe leaves uh, Elodin's class in a grumpy mood, which, like he has mentioned multiple times, he's just got, like, so much going on that he is in a horrible mood. Yeah, um, he's having the hardest time right now. So, like, there's the ALR, there's the lack of sleep, there's working on the gram, there's trying to keep track of Ambrose and where he is, there's Devi, there's now the final straw, the loss of his loot, so, like he's about to unravel like if he had to go anymore like if he had to go another half a day like this i think that would be it yeah i think he would snap but thankfully he decides he's gonna go back to onkers and when he gets there onkers like oh how was your dinner and apparently the serving girl was supposed to give both a note she didn't. I'm almost wondering if she purposefully didn't. Oh, she was the, the hot tour. Well, because remember, Kavoth, when he came back looking for his loot, she was like, oh, did you want that drink then? So I'm wondering if she purposefully did it or it mm. was an actual accident. But anyway, two days ago, Donna left a note for Kavoth asking to meet for dinner, and he missed it, obviously. So despite missing Donna, he's like pretty excited because he knows she's in town and has a pretty good chance of, like, finding her. So he goes to all the usual spots, and it's a no-go. And he's, you know, in a lot of pain, having walked all the way to Imre, so he's kind of getting to the point where he's giving up. Yeah, maximum grump. And all of a sudden, he turns a corner, and there she is. And I feel bad, because when he sees her, she's, she's like, crying. crying. Yeah, girl's bumming. We don't really know why, but he does mention that she's eating a pear, and he wonders where she got a pair so late in the season. So it sounds like that's a bit of a delicacy. And I'm wondering if she just had a meeting with Master Ash because he seems like a powerful person who would be able to access a pair. And I'm wondering if the letter is something that's like related to her entanglement with Master Ash, essentially. Mm, either that or a parting gift from one of her ill-fated suitors. She doesn't ever seem too torn up about them no but she was very emotional in this circumstance so yeah i can't tell if she's upset because of all the stuff we're about to find out with her gift and the improper timing or if it was something else i don't think so because i don't think she knows it's improper timing yet oh that's fair because then yeah all right yeah you make a good point i don't know i thought it had something to do with her patron so because the last time we saw her she was asking about magic and how she could like make something if you write it down like make it true Mm. and then seems like her hopes were dashed there so anyway she's pretty teary for some some reason we don't know and she gets all excited to see kavoth and actually seems like it seeing him does yeah like it's genuine yeah so they're pretty excited to see each other and he's actually excited to see her too she does mention that like he doesn't look like he's sleeping and she's like oh i don't know if i could do anything to help but i don't sleep well either so I wasn't sure if she was offering to just, like, sleep together. Like, not in a sexual way necessarily, but just, like, have a companion oh. so you're not alone. Because sometimes if you're scared at night. You know what? I didn't even think about it in that way, but definitely. I think it's, like, a genuine, like, not a flirty. Like, a companion sort of way. Yeah, like, just, like, genuinely I'm concerned for you. Like, you look tired. Like, do you need actual help? Oh. It's kind of missed in the conversation. 
Ugh, and it's literally right here. So he says, I cannot say how it made me feel. It doesn't fit easily into words. Which is literally what Elodin was just trying to teach him about. Ignoramus. <laughs> it's going right by him. He's obviously very pleased to see Denna. And yeah. they have this kind of like back and forth of complimenting each other. So in internally, he's like, oh, seeing her is like a swallow of warm wine on a winter night. But then they start giving each other these little compliments of like, you're my shady willow on a sunny day. Um, and both calls her sweet music in a distant room. So it's classic banter. Yeah, they're just doing their, their little banter. And Dennis says that like sometimes when she's with Kavoth, it makes her forget everything, um, like all the bad parts of my life, who I am. It's nice to be able to take a vacation for myself every once in a while. You help with that. And like, Aww. that's literally what love is. Like, I don't understand why they don't get it. <laughs> so uh, it is very frustrating because the truth is, I feel like it is true love. I think on a soul level, yes. I think they're maybe not good for each That's other. What I but mean, I think though. I wish they could just have the chance to let it be for a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like let it manifest. I feel like if they were to actually like go the distance it wouldn't work because they'd get in their own way with it. Oh yeah, they definitely would. But That's the sad part. Like what could be Yeah, what could be what could have been was they could have gone out to dinner together and both missed Denna. But because of that, she's like, oh, I was just going to find you tomorrow when you'll be playing. Kavoth immediately re-remembers that his loot is gone. and his Yeah, his heart like drops out of his ass. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'll be playing anytime soon. <laughs> I know. And she jokingly is like, oh, but that's like the one place I can always find you. Yeah. Um, so she is essentially experiencing what Kavoth is experiencing of never being able to find the other. She... Is like, I've got something that'll distract you from that. And this is where, like, Kvothe's luck really starts to change here. Yes, this is the moment. So she leads him to a little store and then it's like, close your eyes, it's a surprise. And, like, puts her hands over his eyes. So it's very, like, cutesy. Pure. And leads him into a shop that he says smells of leather. She reveals, like, l opens his eyes and there's a man there with a loot case for his stolen loot. And it's not just any loot case. This is like the Cadillac of loot cases. Absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's amazing. It's made of smooth black leather. 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 There's seven clasps on it. So seven again appears. So it lifts off like a box, not like a, a hinge. And Kavoth is just like waxing poetic about how amazing this case is. So the guy has made it. He reaches out and like puts his hand on it and says it's like, soft like a sponge but not too soft and they eventually like open it up and it's like velvet lined and everything yeah it's like burgundy velvet it's gorgeous denna reveals that certain parts of the case itself underneath can basically move around so it'll fit any loot that he eventually may get so if it changes size or shape that's such a cool feature yeah and then of course like i don't even know how that's designed so cool and it even has little hidey holes. Yes. Like his little hideaway cubby pockets. Yeah, it's like his cloak. Yeah, so classic of both. And apparently it's watertight and it's super reinforced. So if he wanted to, he could literally stand on the case and it wouldn't do anything. I love how like in-depth the craftsman goes about like yes. talking about the construction. He even talks about like, oh, your lady wanted Ramston steel. But I had to tell her that, like, this other type of steel was more appropriate. And, like, we literally picked everything, like, by hand. And I think he says it's the nicest case he's made in, like... 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So 
Kvothe gets an amazing gift. Yes, it is absolutely spectacular. Like, priceless. It's like, a, Denna did actually, like, in terms of gift giving, I know the timing was bad, but, like, that's a really good gift. Yeah. Oh, glance steel is the other material. Oh, yeah, we've never heard of that kind before, Yeah, it just we? sounds awesome. It sounds really cool. Kvothe's <sighs> trying to keep it together, though, because he's, like, overly excited about this loot case, but at the yeah. same time, there's, like, a seesaw of emotions in terms of knowing he doesn't have his loot anymore to put into it. Yep. And then she says, let's see how your loot fits. And the shopkeeper literally like pulls his loot out from behind the counter. <sighs> and literally, <laughs> he began to cry. Aww. Oh, so good. Like, such emotional, like, reward and payback as a reader where, like, you have all these chapters of, like, Kavoth just having a really hard time. He's really struggling and i think it's literally just like the culmination of all that suffering of knowing that like at least he's got this like other things are still going bad but like he's got the one thing that's going to keep him going and it's the one thing that like he relies upon for income which i know he kind of belittled at the time of being like oh i don't really care about being able to play at onkers and have my room and board but if he you know then ended up homeless again like things would have just been in a downward spiral and this is literally like the safety net at the bottom that like just caught him before he like plummeted to despair yeah that and i think it was just after all like his like hardship and suffering like this was a moment for him to break that tension and like have a sigh of relief for a minute there yes like you know when you're under so much stress that you like haven't taken in like a big breath in a while like i feel like that's literally where he just was yeah he definitely needed to like have like a moment of just like oh i've been through some stuff lately <laughs> yeah no explanation just i've been through stuff and so poor denna because this was like an intense downward spiral where she got so upset that he got upset and was like i always mess these things up i'm terrible i'm an awful person i like wasn't thinking stupid stupid and like literally was like she's clearly like had some kind of traumatic experience with this before yeah and so because kavoth could have just been like oh my god tears of joy but she takes it in totally the other direction yeah she has like a downward spiral panic attack which is really sad i know i feel really bad the one thing i really did want to touch on was the fact that she was like I should have known your loot is like the most precious thing in your life to you. That's why I wanted to get you something to keep it protected and safe. And I'm like, Ugh, like you had such good intent. And I feel like that's like a really like true love moment. That's what I mean. Like it's actually, it's not like, oh, I received a gift that's good. Like you received a genuinely like personalized good gift that like speaks to you on so many levels. Like it's practical, but it also speaks to how much Kovot loves his loot and loves his music, and she got him one that will literally last him a lifetime because it can fit any loot. Wow, such good thought went into that gift. It's so good. Yeah, it's absolutely phenomenal. And so I feel bad because then she obviously has like this horrible, miserable downward spiral moment, and he does a good job of actually like snapping her out pretty quickly Mm -hmm. because he was like, you know what? I literally know what it's like of, like, bad case of good intentions and, like, things blowing up in my face all the time, like... He also says, like, you wouldn't have someone who's never owned, like, an instrument, like, I don't think you would necessarily understand why I would have reacted that way, and there's, like, no way you could have, so it's totally forgivable. Yes. Which is a nice thing for him to say. Absolutely. It's just nice because this is just a really 
big like emotional reward and payoff after such a hard day yes and yes, so yes, yes. kavoth is like stoked he's like i got my loot i got a case i got my homie he totally pulls out all his like giddy theatrics in this moment because he was like all right we're gonna have a good afternoon i'm gonna play you music and we're gonna have the rest of the afternoon and the world cannot touch us like let's go out and adventure so fun yeah and like (laughs) she is like all right like i could get away from the world for the space of an afternoon it's perfect because like they were both having such a horrible morning yeah then they both had this kind of like emotional like rocky moment where both was like oh my god my loot like there's this case my loot's gone and then like the like upswing of having it back and then Denna having this like high of like I've gotten quote this gift and then the downswing of realizing she's ruined it so like just coming together and having a good afternoon like just in the company of each other I think is exactly what they needed after their awesome afternoon Kavoth is like walking back towards university and like he's got a spring in his step he is stoked he even says like my luck's beginning to change and it actually does yeah that's the thing is like so much bad has been happening to him i the first time i read it thought that like my luck speeding to change was going to be dramatic irony it's not he's actually there's some good things entering a different phase chapter 31 the crucible so in retrospect we probably should have ended on that last chapter just because it was like a good stopping point but this chapter i really like not a lot happens in it but it shows simmons like prowess at alchemy which i think is cool because we've never seen it before yeah it's cool to highlight this moment yeah and we also haven't really seen what alchemy can do yet it's just mentioned Mm. and this is like a first-hand account of it so kvoth goes to visit simon in the alchemy complex he mentions in passing that like with his loot back like the rest of his life starts to feel like it's getting back to normal like things are sliding back into place despite how tough everything still is he's feeling better so he goes to simon and we're not really given a lot of context but simon just opens the door and goes it worked so we're not clued in as to what it is yet but simon has created this substance that's in a little jar kvoth asks him to show him so we just kind of get this demonstration what happens is kvoth or simon's like uh lighting up a pan And then he rubs the substance on his hand and touches the hot iron pan and nothing happens. Like it's what Koth interprets as like a heat shield, which is super cool. Yeah. Simmons like, no, no, that's you're not thinking about it the right way. It's not an insulator. It's not a shield. It's literally like an extra layer of skin that will burn away before your own layer of skin gets touched. (laughs) <laughs> They're just kind of going back and forth. And Kavos trying to make sense of this. So he's like, so it is an insulator. And Simmons like, no, you don't understand what alchemy is. Like, yeah, just no listen idea. to me. So paralleling Elodin and Simmons both try to teach Kavoth and he's not getting it. Stubborn. <laughs> so stubborn. So stubborn. Um, and it's so great because Simmons like, look, alchemy is not just chemistry with some extra stuff. It's totally different. So if you don't listen, you'll be dead wrong. Or should I say dead and wrong? So listen up. No. So he tells Kabo he's going to have to spread on quickly and he gets about 10 seconds to get it on and it won't rub away, but don't eat it and don't put it on your face. Um, so he says it's sort of poisonous and they're talking about the properties of it. So Kavos like, does it, does it have a weird smell when it burns away? And someone's like, no, it doesn't burn away. I told you it breaks down. So they're still like having this fundamental communication error of what alchemy is. <laughs> So Kavoth's going to have to use it 
in practice, try to touch whatever's hot before all the stuff rubs away. It strangely turns into acid when it mixes with alcohol, and if it mixes with water, it catches on fire. I love that. So it's so illogically weird, and, and I, I, Voth doesn't even believe him. All, like, unbound principles. Yeah, it's so complicated. So... Kvost, like, nothing becomes flammable when you mix it with water. So, like, paralleling the previous class, nothing's unexplainable. Ooh, good point, good point. Yeah, and Simmons actually able to demonstrate it, and Loden demonstrates it in a different way, but, <laughs> like, Kvost only really understands, like, very... Direct. He's very, like, mechanically minded, I think. Yes. Like, he can see, like, how things work together, but he can't understand things that don't behave according to the normal laws of physics, yes. I guess. Um, so yeah, so they pour a bunch of water in and then they put a little drop back of the yellow stuff in and it literally like blazes up like three feet high. Like, oh. he, what? <laughs> pour more water on it. <laughs> it's like a grease fire. Yeah. So just like such a funny little ending of like, Kvothe's so shocked. He says, okay, I know nothing about alchemy. So Simon finally is like, Good, you understand that you know nothing. Let's go over it all again. Yes. And that's the end of the chapter and the end of the episode. There was one little like thing I had just noted at the beginning of this chapter is that Sim is like, oh, look, I got new boots. Oh, the hobnail. They're hobnail boots, which I think is a step up from just like a plain leather bottom mm. shoe or wooden bottom shoe. And... It's just something that's so conversational to Sim, but so out of reach for Kavoth in terms of finances. So I think it's interesting to highlight how different their circumstances have been. Yeah. Uh, I think this was a fun set of chapters because we have the kind of like nosedive into like the pit of despair, <laughs> as it were. Yes. And then the uptick in good luck for Kavoth. That and I love how this chapter ends because it is totally laying the groundwork for heist time and i just yeah so it's been like sprinkled in a little bit where kvoth was like oh i have to make myself regular at the golden pony and now he's doing this with sim and you just have no idea what it's for until yeah. it all comes together and it's made more complicated by the fact that he has multiple plans brewing at once so he's got this stuff going on he's working on his gram and he's also working on his secret arrow catch project so we know about like the bear trap there was one other thing. The crossbow. The crossbow. Um, this stuff. First time readers don't necessarily know what is yeah, all going to piece it's together. It's too many chaotic elements in the beginning. Yeah. So. Very cleverly put together. Yes. But that is the end of this episode. And I don't think we have any final announcements. So until then. Happy reading. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, check out our website, fantasticbookspod.com. Or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Fantastic Books Pod. Don't forget to follow, rate, and leave a review. Thanks. Thanks.